The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. And now, finally, all the history, all the pageantry, all the tradition is now here. It's time to break down the game. Next, on this week's episode of Michigan Podcast. But there's going to be one team that's going to play solely as a team. No man is more important than the team. No coach is more important than the team. The team, the team, the team. Looks deep for Anthony Clark. Waits for it. Nip caught. This is no time for that. In the pocket and a sack. Tim Jamison. Brady gets terrific. Throws it. And it. Touchdown night again. Schultz just before Brazil got it. And a leaping interception by Woodson. Harbaugh back to throw over the middle. Caught by Kohler at the five on his feet. Touchdown, Michigan. On his way. It's good. He's 5'7", 179 pounds, a junior at Michigan. But Jamie Morris packs a wallop, and he delivers for Beauchamp. And here's your first play. Pressure coming. Second. It is Glenn Steele, number 81, who fought his way through the traffic. Option. And Robinson calls his own number, and he's going to score. Oh, an easy touchdown for Robinson and Michigan. championship again because we're going to play as a team. And when we play as a team and the old season is over, you and I know it's going to be Michigan again. Michigan. I'm Steve Dace, and welcome to a special edition of Michigan Podcast. Hopefully, all of you will have and are having a happy Thanksgiving whenever you choose to watch this week's episode before, during, or after the holiday. We appreciate all of you, and thank you for tuning in. And, of course, from one great tradition known as Thanksgiving to another. It has been such a long wait. It's been years we have been waiting. And it's been years since, sadly, Michigan has been in a game this big. And sadly, it's been even longer years since Michigan has won it. Despite all of the great and grand traditions associated with Michigan football, this one is the greatest of them all. That's why we call it around here 
the game. And of course, I'm speaking of that one right there, the granddaddy of them all, the Rose Bowl. That's right, with Michigan's 59-18 to victory over Maryland. The Wolverines are all but destined to head back to Pasadena to the most scenic setting of them all, in the granddaddy of them all, in the biggest game of them all. That's why we call it the game, the tradition unlike any other, the Rose Bowl in Pasadena. And what a long wait it has been. It has been years we've been waiting to return to the Rose Bowl, 15 long years. Michigan hasn't won a Rose Bowl since 1997, and the win over Maryland all but guaranteed that the maize and blue will head out to one of the greatest settings in the greatest sport, college football and the Rose Bowl. The only thing missing, the dulcet tones of Keith Jackson, God rest his soul. But planning on hopefully getting to go for the first time ever this year, maybe take my son with me as well, make a memory because these sorts of moments don't come along very often. If you are a Michigan fan, enjoy it. Enjoy the game, the Rose Bowl, in 40 days. What other what other games did you guys think I was referring to here? Anyway, uh, it is Thanksgiving weekend, and if you want to celebrate with free bets and be thankful of those, Check out our friends at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. They've got a turkey day no-brainer that you can't miss. New customers can bet just $1 on any Thanksgiving NFL game and win $100 in free bets if either team scores even a single point. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app right now. Use the promo code MICHIGANPODCAST, all one word. Bet just $1 on any Thanksgiving NFL game, and you're going to win $100 in free bets if either team scores even just a point. That's the promo code Michigan Podcast this Thanksgiving at DraftBook. Sorry, at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Again, promo code Michigan Podcast this Thanksgiving at DraftKings Sportsbook. Now, if you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call the Michigan Department of Health and Human Services Gambling Disorder Helpline at 800-270-7117, 21 and older, Michigan only. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for full terms and conditions. All right, fine. We'll break down the actual game this weekend if you demand it here on Michigan Podcast. And we're joined by our good friend and perhaps the one and only reasonable Bucknut, although he is wearing a Troy Smith, Arch Schleister, Rex Kern, I'm not sure which throwback jersey this week. Um, oh, is that Schleister's? I've got the Arch Schleister signature on it. There you go. This okay. is Arch Schleister. He, he's like Jim Harbaugh is for you, Arch Schleister is for me. My all-time favorite. I don't want to hear any jokes or any um, derogatory comments about what happened to him later. Sure. Arch Schleitzer, circa 1978 to 81, my guy. 
And you know what? He gave me three to one odds that it was actually going to be a Schleister jersey and not a, a Troy Smith or Rex. I'm sorry, I couldn't resist. Anyway, Mark Rogers is here, the voice of college football. He's got a great channel right here on YouTube if you want to check it out year round with all the uh, the intricacies and information you want on college football. It might even make you some money if you watch it uh, as well uh, because Mark's picks are usually pretty good. So, Mark, all right. The game this weekend, break it down for us. What do you think? I like to go to common opponents, and it brings me back to 2018. So going into that game, of course, this is the one game, I think since Harbaugh's opening season in Michigan 2015, in which they were the favorite. Michigan, uh, the favorite at Ohio Stadium. And if you measured the common opponents in those matchups, uh, Ohio State versus the Big Ten, Michigan versus the Big It wasn't even close. Uh, I remember running through all the numbers, all the score comparisons, everything. Michigan was dominant against those common opponents, but we know what happened when they got on the same field. If we put history aside, uh, this is an intriguing matchup. Ohio State should be a decided favorite, which they are, seven to eight points, according to Vegas, even on the road. They have played the common opponents slightly better, and when they've been dominant, they have been over-the-top dominant, of course, as we've seen the last two weekends. But Michigan certainly showing some uh, scoring firepower and showing that they can um, they could possibly make this an intriguing game if each team brings a similar grade to the, to the field, meaning if Michigan brings its A game and Ohio State brings its A game, I think Ohio State's a 7 to 14 point better team, but in the case of most football games that doesn't necessarily happen. So Michigan's got the home field. Who knows what the motivation factors are? I would have thought that they would have been on the Michigan side year after year after year after year. I continue to be amazed at the obsession that this program, meaning Ohio State, has with Michigan, despite the dominance. Uh, Mich- uh, Ohio State's a better team. Ohio State might be the best team in the country. I, I tend to think that they're two or three. Michigan's in that top six range, somewhere in that so it's a, you know, we're talking comparable teams, but I do think that the gap is there and Ohio State should be a decided favorite, which they are. But uh, we talked about it, I think, a couple weekends ago, uh, weeks ago, Steve. Uh, Hutchinson and Ajabo might be the equalizers on that side of the field for Michigan. So what happened against Nebraska and Penn State? Why were those games well into the fourth quarter and down the stretch? What happened in those matchups? Well, in the Penn State game in particular, I just think Penn State has an outstanding defense. Ohio State did move the ball between the 20s, but they bogged down in the red zone. So they had two consecutive games against those particular opponents in which they were awful in the red zone, kicking field goals, which Ryan Day doesn't like to do, uh, and just going for fourth downs and getting stops, um, probably not being committed enough to the run. Ryan Day, for all of his positives as a head coach, I think tends to like to scheme and and build the matchups, and, and he loves to play mad scientist a little bit too much when a simple handoff to Travion Henderson will do the job on third and one. And so I think that's part of it. The Buckeyes need to rely on the run a little bit more heavy in the red zone. And they didn't do that against Penn State and Nebraska. They were 
bogged down in the red zone, and that's been the difference against uh, Purdue and Michigan State these last two weeks. I think this is a different Michigan team. This is the third time Harbaugh has brought a 10-1 team to this game. And as everybody knows, he's 0-5. They didn't play last year. So this is the third time now in six meetings that he will bring a 10-1 team to this game. Now, I happen to think this team is different from the previous two. And I can answer that for you why if you want, but I'm more interested in what you think. I think it's a different team because of who's running the defense, and that's Mike McDonald. And um, we saw the issues that they had changing out personnel or attempting to change out personnel against Michigan State. And then they continue to have those issues, uh, not as glaring, but still had those issues of trying to play NFL rules in a college setting the next weekend, which I was a bit perplexed by. That aside, Mike McDonald, I trust him so much more in this spot than Don Brown. So I believe that he's going to be prepared uh, as well as you possibly could be for this Ohio State offense. That's why I think it's a different Michigan situation. Also, Kate McNamara is playing the position as efficient with some explosiveness. I, I think we tend to get uh, a certain pattern of thought in our head that once we label somebody, they keep that label. They're a much more explosive passing attack than we give them credit for. So there's a lot of talk here within the Michigan media that Ohio State actually had Don Brown's signals, particularly in 2019. Um, any talk like that at all there uh, in your neck of the woods in Columbus? People talking about whether that's a thing? Because that has gone from urban legend to conventional wisdom within Michigan circles. I know it has. And uh, I, I tend to think that most factions, and we see this both in sports and we see this with real life political, social issues that people believe what they want to believe, and therefore they tend to gravitate to the information that will confirm their beliefs and their values. So uh, I believe that Ohio State fans want to stay away from that narrative, and therefore you don't hear much, I don't hear any talk. All the talk that I've heard concerning that came from Michigan fans that watch my channel, uh, thanks much to you, uh, <laughs> but the Ohio State fans, no, because then that would mean that there's some level of whether you consider it cheating or gamesmanship, either one, but then it would go against the actual just being that good of a coaching staff and having that kind of talent execute on the field. And Ohio State fans, nor any fan base, wanted to, to give up that leverage. So I, I, let me forget for a second, compartmentalize as best as I can. Let me forget for a second I'm a Michigan fan, because as a Michigan fan, there's, there's no way I think you can objectively analyze this game. Um, without including the baggage, <clears throat> pardon me, of, of the last 20 years. I mean, Mark, there's only been two seasons since 2003 that Michigan did not end the season on a two-game or worse losing streak, only twice since 2003. All right, that was 2011 and 2015. Every year since 2003, other than those two, Michigan has ended the season on a two-game or worse losing streak. So when you have that kind of baggage, you're going on, you know, two decades of that, if you're any kind of fan at all, and you know I am, it's just really difficult to analyze this as a standalone product and not in the context of going on, you know, a fifth of a century of curb stomps, right? Okay. But let's say I worked for like Big Ten Network or somebody and I don't have all that baggage and I'm analyzing this game. The thing that I'm going to, that I would point to in this game, if you want 
something that could that could give you a, a, a any kind of hint that there's a 25 to 40 percent chance of a different result than you've grown accustomed to seeing here for two decades. It's that Michigan and Oregon are built very similarly as football teams. Okay, very similarly. It's also and and, and if you look at the game plan that Oregon utilized in that game. There's this myth around here that C.J. Stroud didn't play well in that game. He had like 70% completions and 484 yards. What they didn't have in that game was Travion Henderson. That's what they didn't have yet. They they hadn't figured out that he was the best back yet. Okay, They hadn't figured out, hey, you know, he, he, can, he has the potential to strike the pose on any snap. So give them the damn ball. They hadn't figured that part out yet. But I don't know that there's this huge growth of C.J. Stroud. He played great in that game just a couple weeks ago against Penn State. He threw two picks. He wasn't that great against Nebraska. So I, I, don't, I don't know that there's been a huge leap as much as now there's a running attack. In the last two weeks, they played two of the weaker secondaries in the Big Ten Conference, and Michigan State has the absolute worst by yardage pass defense in all of college football. So, I mean, that was just matchup hell for them. If you, want, if you want a prescription, though, for what Oregon did, the ability to run for 260 yards, limit possessions, and then play two safeties high, do not let them throw it over your head, keep them in front of you, no matter how many yards you give up between the 20s, and Oregon gave up over 500, all right, but get them into the red zone and then just play Russian, let's just play red zone roulette at that point. That's what Penn State did, and they forced four field goals, okay? If Michigan has a team similarly built to Oregon, and, but instead of just one Kelvon Thibodeau in, in um, Aiden Hutchinson, the other guy over there is going to be a first-round pick, too, in David Ojabo. So if I'm Michigan, here's my game plan. I'm rushing those four guys as much as I can. James Ross is my middle linebacker, downhill thumper spy on Travion Henderson if they run the football. And then the other six guys, I'm playing a lot of drop coverages. And if C.J. Stroud wants to get down, move down the field 8 to 15 yards, God bless him, and then we'll get into the red zone, and we will see what happens. But I'm, gonna, I'm actually going to make Ohio State execute a lot of plays. I'm not going to play Don Brown one high, man-to-man. I'm playing two high all game. And I'm going to make them execute for four quarters and try to limit possessions because of the ability I have to run the football. And I have a more – this is not as talented of a defense as Michigan had in 2016. And it's not as talented of a team overall as Michigan had in 2018. But in terms of the balance of where the talent is, this is actually the best balanced team Harbaugh has brought to the game yet because of the schemes that you cited and where the talent is at. And they have explosion. If you look at the the most explosive guys in this team, uh, Donovan Edwards, Blake Corum, who who I think will be healthy in play, A.J. Henning, Cornelius Johnson, these guys are all freshmen and sophomores. Now, I don't know, you know, if I put my fan hat back on, I don't believe Michigan will ever win the game like ever again in my lifetime, and that's why I'll be at the new Ghostbusters movie on Saturday instead. But if I was putting an analyst hat on, that's what I would point to is that Michigan is built very similarly to the teams that have either beaten Ohio State this year or forced them to come down to the wire in the fourth quarter and is arguably better than all three of those teams, one of whom beat them. That would be... And, and, and that's, a, that's a game plan that I think you and I both know. Jim Harbaugh is comfortable executing that game plan. He is comfortable trying to beat Ohio State 35-31. He is not comfortable trying to beat Ohio State 45-41. He's not comfortable with that. So that is a, this is a matchup difference that I think is a little different than the, than the previous times that they have played. What are your thoughts on that? So much to unpack there. Really good stuff there. So 
Ohio State actually put six hundred on Oregon. They just couldn't move um, in the red zone. Again, red zone issues against a good defense. So maybe that's a recipe right there because Nebraska, Penn State, Oregon, defensively, I think they're pretty comparable. They all gave up yardage but locked it in on the the, the red zone. So I focused on the red zone issues for the Ohio State offense, but credit needs to be given to the defense when you're talking three caliber defenses of those three. All right. You've got a better quarterback than Oregon, but he did play a Cade McNamara-esque mm-hmm. game. That's the best game he's played this season, mm-hmm. and he was able to make the throws when needed. Um, this Ohio State offensive line, it's key that they have had an elite level offensive line from a talent standpoint from day one, of course, but they have just figured it out in regards to combinations, determining that they could not play tackles at guard positions, and they figured that out, and they have the rotation that has really been the unsung hero of the last two performances against Purdue and Michigan State. They've worked out the offensive line combinations, and the the, the, the stalemate up front between Ohio State's offensive line and Michigan's from a talent standpoint is just going to be fascinating because that is going to be real football. Uh, on the other side, Ohio State's defense, what's getting lost in all this, they gave up seven points. They really gave up nothing to Michigan State when it mattered. Now, a few things fell into play that worked in their favor. Kenneth Walker was taken out of the game by both a sore ankle and also the score. And he didn't have that opportunity to grind on the Ohio State defense. And that was one thing that I believe I mentioned here last week, that if he had a 12 to 15 carry game and we thought that that would be minimum, then it's an Ohio State game. But if he get to if he got to wear on that defense for 30 or 35 times, then it plays into Michigan State. Well, Hassan Haskins, we just saw him wear on a big defense at Penn State 31 times. So that's another factor in this game that if. Michigan and Hassan Haskins can go with that defense and wear them down. Then obviously you keep CJ Stroud on the sideline, but this Ohio state defensive front is finally living up to its billing. The last few weeks, they are playing out of their minds as well. The secondary is so much better led led by Denzel Burke than they were earlier in the season. This team is just rounding into form. And I believe that if they win this game big, it's not necessarily a Michigan team that um, is not is not coming prepared, not coming with a lot of talent and all those things and all those ingredients as a top five team would. But um, look at what they did to Michigan State. Again, that place is going to be rocking at the big house. They're smelling blood. They want to make it happen this year. And so I think the crowd, I would anticipate that this Michigan crowd is going to be more into this game than anything we've seen in years. I think it's going to be 38-28 Ohio State. You have a prediction for us? Uh, I'll give you one, even though it goes against my grain to be predicting football games on Monday or Tuesday, as you sometimes force me to do. But we'll go with the Buckeyes winning this one. Wow, you got a good score there. I'm going to go in the that's, – that's a really good score, 38-28. Uh, we'll, we'll take it up to 40-27. All right, Mark. Buckeyes win by two scores. All right, man. Good to see you. Have a good Thanksgiving. All right, take care. Thanks, Steve. I appreciate it. You bet. Well, the calendar is about to turn to basketball season. And if you like sports handicapping and you like Michigan podcast, a great way to marry those two is to support us on our Patreon at patreon.com slash Michigan podcast. College basketball last year, we were 59 games over 500. We get 56% of the games in the NCAA tournament. We correctly 
advised you to take Baylor at 6-1 to one to win the NCAA tournament, which they did. We had a very good college basketball season last year, especially down the stretch. And we're loaded for Bear now for the new season as well. And yes... We'll continue on with our football handicapping as well. So make sure you support us just $5 a month. Who knows? It might win you some money when you go to patreon.com slash Michigan podcast. This week's Twitter poll results, and man, did we get a lot of votes on this one. Which end of the season would you rather have as a Michigan football fan? Make the playoff but lose bad. 60% of you said that. Win the Rose Bowl, 40% of you said that. Well, now, Steve, if this means we wouldn't win the Big Ten Championship, actually, twice already in the playoff era back to 2014, the Big Ten Champion did not make the playoff. 2016 Penn State, 2018 Ohio State. So that's why I did include the Big Ten Championship in this. Obviously, I would rather win the championship no matter what happens in the postseason every single time. But you absolutely... Until they expand it, which looks like it might happen now next season, you absolutely can win the Big Ten and not make it to the playoff. Now, that won't be the case this year for Michigan. If Michigan wins the Big Ten, they're going to be in the playoff, right? But again, there have been a couple of times where that has already occurred. So those two things are mutually exclusive. And for me, if it's win the Big Ten and go out and win the Rose Bowl or win the Big Ten and go out and get spartied in the college football playoff against Alabama, I'd, I'd take winning the Rose Bowl. But maybe because I'm just an old guy now and I love that tradition. Let's get to this week's feedback of the week. Perfect Fit Athletic Recruiting says, don't bother commenting on the Ohio State game if we win ever. Now you're an observer, not a fan. And if Michigan wins, don't even think about saying anything celebratory. Here's the thing, dude. Guess who gets to decide what kind of a fan I am? Me. Me. Because I'm the fan. Who are the games for? Me. I'm the fan. Without me, or you for that matter, Um, these are empty stadiums and there are no scholarships and there's no endorsement deals and there's no mega contracts. So these things are for us. We're the, we are, this is what, you know, that whole we the people thing. Uh, We the fans here, we rule, we're in charge. I get to determine what is my fandom and what isn't. And my fandom has determined that after 18 years of getting my ass kicked, I just can't do it anymore. I don't want it to turn. I'm, I, I'm worried about it turning me into a, an even more bitter fan than I've become in the last year. Where it just robs me of all joy how much I love this team. I want to love going 10-1 and one and playing in the Rose Bowl. I want to love that. That's a tremendous season for a team that wasn't even ranked in the preseason top 25. That's a great amount of weekends where I got to escape from the hell that is, the fall of Western civilization and the outside world, and just enjoy the games with my buddies and my my little buddy, who's not so little anymore, my son Noah. I want to enjoy that. This is meant to be an escape, not life or death, and it's not a cult, let alone a religion. So I'll decide when I'm in and I'll decide when I'm out. I mean, then you can decide whether you want to watch or follow me. That's up to you. But it won't change what I think one iota. Dude, I want to win this game so bad. If they end up pulling this off Saturday, and if you told me, Steve, you can't watch another Michigan-Ohio State game again until they lose, you got it. That's how much, that's how badly I want to win. If you guaranteed me if I never watched this again the rest of my life, Michigan would win every single year, I wouldn't watch it. Because I just want to win. I, I don't think we can win it anymore. And I just, 
I can't do it again, and I don't like the person it turns me into. I don't like that it turns me against my favorite team and my all-time favorite player growing up, and it turns me into a bitterman, and it makes me angry, and it makes me feel like, you know, the, the, the last three months, which was so much fun, was just a waste of my time. You know, the way a lot of you that are high and mighty right now in my mentions and in the comments section, that if Michigan loses on Saturday, the way you'll be behaving, but it won't be me. I'll be excited. I'll be making plans for Pasadena. I'll be making plans to take my son out there to make an all-time memory. I refuse. There's so many other things in this world going on right now that can make you cynical, jaded. I refuse to let Michigan football be one of them. It has brought me as much joy as anything other than faith and family for the last 35 years. And I'd like to keep it that way. And so I will. And so, brother, you keep Christmas in your way, and I'll keep it in mine. That'll do it for this week's episode of Michigan Podcast. Again, everybody have a great Thanksgiving. I I sincerely hope I come back here on Monday and my mentions are unmentionable and the comment section is full of this kind of commentary from Michigan fans pissed at me for not watching as Michigan pulled off the biggest win it's had since 1997. I Gosh, I want to eat that so bad. I want to choke on the live crow right here on this show, on this set next month, next weekend, I, or next week. I absolutely want that. But whether or not that happens or not, I'm still going to enjoy going 10-1 and one and going to the Rose Bowl because that's a hell of a season, one way or the other. I hope you enjoy it too. We're back at it again next week. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter, at Michigan Podcast. Keep up to date on everything we think about all things Maize and Blue in between episodes right there. Like, rate, subscribe, follow, five-star review, whichever applies, however you watch on YouTube or listen on iTunes or anywhere else. And thank you to all of you that have done that. You're helping us to find more Michigan fans just like you. Until then, go Blue. This Valentine's Day, Dunkin's got the perfect pairings to show your love. So get down on one knee with a dozen brownie batter donuts and a cocoa mocha signature latte. Or make them swoon with a strawberry dragon fruit Dunkin' refresher with a Cupid's Choice Donut. Are you ready for love? America runs on Dunkin'. Price and participation may vary. Limited time offer.